I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. An accident. An accident. An accident. accident. The humans had an accident. There was a child in the car. A child. A child? A child? Cats have nine lives, children only one. Help them live that life. Buckle them into a car seat. No one wants a child to become a memory. Memory all alone in the Welcome back to Why Is Cats, the only podcast on the internet that dives deep into one of the most insane musical movies of all time. Thanks for coming back. I'm Jim Jams, apparently, and thanks so much for all the messages as well, by the way. We really appreciate it. In fact, just half an hour ago, I got a DM on Instagram from someone saying, I I forced my boyfriend to watch the movie last night. And I wrote back, did he like it? And she wrote back, he left the room when old Gus started lapping up milk from the bowl. (laughs) So, so it's going well. Thank you for trying to get your loved ones into this movie. Last week's episode blew my mind a little bit. Cat School. Insane. And this one you're listening to now is a bit of a monster as well. Benny Elliott and I wanted to understand why and how... Cats the musical became as big a success as it was. And so, to give us the inside scoop, we've got a genuine Broadway star on the show today. From Shane Warne the musical and Beetlejuice on Broadway and a whole bunch of TV, it's Eddie Perfect, as well as the return of our comedian friend and Cats superfan Tom Ballard. But first... We met up with a musical theatre academic named Mara Davis, who has some very serious inside knowledge of how cats became cats. It's crazy. Let's go. I I don't, I I wouldn't even rate a mention as kind of issues, I think. So you're, tell us a little bit about your um, academic studies. What's going on here? So um, I have been interested in musicals as long as I can remember. And I have spent uh, the vast part of my adult life trying to figure out why. 
um, because everyone that I know <laughs> thinks I'm a moron. <laughs> um, because I take them serious. Because I take them seriously. And Ever I since you have. were a kid. Ever since I was a kid, I just love. I just loved them. But I figured out very quickly that that was not what the really smart people that I admired thought was good <laughs> art or good theatre, especially when I got to uni. I, I felt like um, I was studying to be an actor and everybody that I respected was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> um, and so I have, but I have been really kind of stubborn about it, if that makes sense. I can admit their flaws. I can sure. talk at length about their flaws, but I think there is something amazing about that form about what happens when you have this narrative that's punctuated with these sung numbers. It speaks to me in a way that um, nothing else quite does. Nothing else for me replicates the feeling of what, what is a that musical. Feeling? It's character through song. It's poetry, I guess. Mm. It's the, it's a quite kind of old thing um, because I'm really into those kind of old um, 1930s, 1940s songs that are m- mainly from musicals but in their time were big hits yeah. where they're just the lyrics are just works of art mm. um, and they're in 32 bars, you know what I mean? Mm. Like 32 bars of music and lyrics and you have this kind of perfect, mm. it's like a beautiful piece of pottery or something, <laughs> the complexity of a lyric that has to be sung sure. because it's not the same as a lyric, that uh, it's not the same as a poem to be read, it's not the same as a monologue to be spoken. Yeah. There's something very particular about the sung the sung word. Well, that's what people say, right, that the purpose of a musical is when when the emotion becomes so overwhelming that yeah. the characters can't even say the, yeah, the yeah. what they're feeling, that they just have to belt it out. Yeah, mm. that, that spoken that word stuff. has become insufficient. Yeah, there we go. And then the argument further to that is that when the singing is no longer enough, then we, then we dance. I'm Mara Davis. I'm a lecturer in performance at the University of Wollongong and I'm writing my PhD about Australian musicals of the last 20 years. And writing about Australian musicals of the last 20 years means dealing with the work of the wonderful Eddie Perfect. Hello, Eddie's been... Hello. Eddie it's, Perfect. Uh, it's Cameron and Ben here. How are you going? Good, how are you? Pretty good. Thanks so much for doing this. We're aware of how ridiculous this is, Eddie. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so right, let's do it. What what drew you to musical theatre? Like what is it about musical theatre that you think as a medium is so powerful? Because it takes the best of music. Like I've always loved music and, and it uses music to create a world. And from the very first time as a kid I heard music theatre I mean, what I loved about music theatre was that it's not a style in and of itself. It's an umbrella under which really any musical style can exist and that it really depended on the world that a composer lyricist was creating as to what music you're listening to. I remember putting my dad's vinyl record of um, Fiddler on the Roof uh, <laughs> on, on, on and hearing, you know, tradition for the first time. And yeah. just, I've n- I'd never heard you know, Jewish, like uh, Jewish music, you know, kind of like Yiddish folk music. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? And that really blew my mind. And then, um, 
you know, I my my parents were obviously into music theater and had like all, all the old records like Carousel and South Pacific and um, Oklahoma and you know um, Godspell, the sort of the groovy seventies musicals like Godspell and Jesus Christ Superstar that they used to you know <laughs> sing at parties and stuff. And that's weird, but that's what they used to do. And then um, <laughs> every and then the eighties kind of right. left me behind. Yes. Yeah, every <laughs> sing at Shirelle. You know, that kind <laughs> and what is it about musical theatre that you think resonates so much with people? Or for you, what is it? Um, Jesus Christ. Superstar. Mm, great show. Really good. <laughs> uh, good tag. Fantastic. <laughs> I don't know. What doesn't resonate out of up, 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 past the heavy side layer? Up, 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 to the heavy side layer. Yeah, it's a good one. But is it the sense of, like, um, I was saying earlier to Cam, like, I love show tunes and mm. I love kind of mincing around my apartment singing to myself. Yes. And it's that feeling of. Uh, the permission to be camp and theatrical yeah. and over the top yes. mm. uh, in a context. And I think, I don't know, particularly in Australian culture, there's not many uh, avenues where you can be free like that. Mm. And, I, you know, thinking about why I love it, I think yeah. that's what it is. Even know? the male dance review shows in this country are called Tap Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> stomp. Tap Dogs. Stomp. Manpower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Manpower is a separate category. <laughs> you can't just bring in a strip group. That's a review, I would say. <laughs> Jamie Jury's I Manpower. Manpower for the dance. <laughs> <laughs> Just to see the body in space. <laughs> kind of a weird thing where you need to give yourself permission to walk over that very clear line which is am i going to believe that this person is speaking words now and now they're singing about <laughs> yeah. what they're thinking and, and <laughs> feeling and you know some people will never cross that line you know we all have a, a long um and we're our own personal history cultural history with music you know we you know it means something to all of us every style of music if you hear, hear like a you know, a German beer hall song or you hear like a Hawaiian rock and roll surf guitar kind of song or you hear like a Latin big band or, you know, there's music kind of makes us feel a certain way because we have a kind of a deep emotional response to it. Mm. And the great thing about music theatre is you get to take, play with that emotional response in people and add lyrics and story and narrative over the top of it. So it's kind of quite manipulative in a way. I think in, also in the way like a score works in a movie, you know, it mm. can bring us to a place emotionally. I think that music theatre does that, but the person just goes that extra bit and sings, which I personally love. Uh, a lot of people's criticism of musicals in general is that the the songs are kind of conspicu too conspicuously like sure, I am this or sure. they perform themselves too strongly, whereas mm. pop songs are more oblique and you can just kind of vague. listen to them. The characterlessness mm. thing um, is what a lot of people uh, puts a lot of people off about musicals. But, but isn't that the point of the musical song that you can sing something that said would sound ridiculous? Yeah, totally. But a uh, uh, it doesn't mean that people like that. <laughs> There's a lot of objections to musicals and, and that really, um, the kind of lack of authenticity, like the remove between 
Um, like, when, for example, like when a pop singer sings a song, we're meant to believe that this is like an authentic, pure, unmediated expression. Sure. Of course it isn't, but mm. that's the kind of thing that's created. Mm-hmm. But because in the musical there was a writer and then there's a character and then there's a performer, it's like we want to see through that. We want to go, oh, that's not real. The that's not unmediated. Yeah, it's too artificial. Mm. Um, and for those of us who love musicals, that's like... Who cares? That's just like you just accept it, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, like any, uh, like you know, if you are a sci-fi fan, you accept that that's not real or whatever. Yeah, and gravity doesn't yeah. work like that. And but yeah, for and of in the musicals, we just accept that that's not an issue. But and I mean, this is really ancient, right? This yeah. is the ancient. Greek theatre, and um, we don't know what the music sounded like, but it had music, Hmm. yeah? The theatre from the very beginning was music drama. This is what people like me who are into musicals argue, that this is actually the way that (laughs) it was meant to be. Yeah, this is the true (laughs) theatre. And even when opera was invented, they were trying to get back to the Greeks. They didn't know what the music sounded like, but they were trying to create music drama, this thing that had both of them together, Hmm. song and speech, because that was considered to be the most ancient form of theatre. So, yeah, people like me argue, well, this is actually the way that it's always been. The spoken theatre is actually an innovation. It Mm -hmm. always had music. It always had song. People have always sung together. So it isn't actually that weird, (laughs) if that makes sense. It's not actually that weird that people burst into song. A lot of the criticism of the musical is because it's middle brow. It's a middle brow art That's form. So I've never heard this term. Yeah. So it's often used um, to talk about novels, right? Okay. So it's like those kind of really middle of the road novels. Like Dan Brown. Yeah. Middle brow. Yeah, middle brow. Middle brow. <laughs> so it's not like Take that, total trash, it's right? It's like Mills and Boone's romance novels. Yeah, but it's not, but the, it's not you know, Finnegan's Way. Yes, it's not yeah. kind of like high art. It's not low or high art. And so the musical is stuck in the middle, kind of like too plebby for the intellectuals and sort of like too camp and too fancy for the salt of the earth, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. yeah. I must be a pleb because I went to the opera a couple of weeks mm. ago. I'd never seen the opera before mm. and I loved it, but also every 20 minutes I would just burst out laughing at how ostentatious and yeah. it, it was just so self-serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the fact that a musical, for the most part, you know, will wink occasionally and go, yeah, yeah we know yeah. this is like a bit ridiculous, but having this guy do a 20-minute, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like it was just, and, you know, the costumes are absurd. It was it was a very much yeah. a rich person's pursuit. Yes, exactly, and that's uh, yeah. very much my yeah. kind mm. of experience of the opera. I mm. find it kind of over the top and too affected, but I have plenty of, friends and colleagues who find the opera much more bearable than they do the musical. What do you think it is that keeps people at arm's length? Uh, look, there are there are a number of things. Lots of them suck. Like that, <laughs> this is, yeah, but lots of everything. Like, you know, part of it comes from that it was it, it's it was um, what they used to call an illegitimate form of theatre. Like there was the legitimate theatre, which was the the stage, the Boration. spoken play. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shakespeare. Mm, and then there was the musical that came out of, like, it came from the people basically, like it came out of Review and Vaudeville and oh, Cabaret okay. right. and it emerged from that. Okay. So it has had a kind of illegitimate path. Bit, people thought of it as base. Yeah, like kind of and plebby for the plebby. masses. It's mm. always been for the masses. It's always been commercial. So it's always been concerned mm. with making money. 
Is that is that because it, it costs so much money yeah. to stage a Broadway yeah. musical? Uh, yeah. yeah, it it costs a just frightening amount of money, mm. um, and it's always been it's always been like that. So the the bottom line has never not been a problem with musicals. It's never been a subsidised art form. It's always been at the mercy of the market. So in a sense, it has to please. Mm. Um, you, you, it has to make money, um, and there are examples that. Don't, but um, it, it yeah, it, it has to make money. It's a commercial form, so that's a major objection. Um, that it's too, it wants to please too much. Like it caters to the lowest common denominator. At its basic level, uh, a Broadway musical costs about fifteen million dollars to put on minimum, minimum, hmm. and obviously. Um, uh, you, you need an extraordinary amount of people to help make that happen. And before that happens, you need to create it and write it. So just to use like Beetlejuice as, a, as an example, um, there was three years of development just with the two script writers working out what the script might be, what the story might be to adapt Beetlejuice from being a movie into a musical to see if that was even possible. And they did that for Warner Brothers Theatrical Division, whose whole job is to usher in um, musical theatre projects based on their own intellectual property. Mm -hmm. And so with the director and two writers, they set about three years writing uh, a script until everyone was like, yeah, this script makes sense. We could do this version. And then we need to find a composer lyricist. And I kind of came on board at that particular point. And then for four years, we wrote the piece, we would write Act 1 and then we would do a workshop of Act 1 and then we'd write Act 2 and do a workshop of Act 2 and then we would have like what they call 29-hour reads where you get a cast for 29 hours in one one week and you have to learn a whole bunch of material and at the end of it you read and sing through the score hmm. and you go away and you do notes. We did another five-week development lab which was downtown and involved sets and costumes and really putting the whole thing on its feet to see what worked and what didn't. Then we took it out of town to Washington, D.C., where we did four weeks of rehearsal and an entire kind of production of it for, um, I don't know how many performances, like maybe a couple of months we were performing. And then we rewrote it, did another workshop, and then brought it to Broadway where we had five weeks rehearsal and then we put it up at the Winter Garden. I think it's around about 21 to $26 million as a production. Um, it went through enormous amounts of changes. Um, you have an investor pool that put in money, all sorts of different amounts of money, um, with the with the knowledge that nine out of ten Broadway shows don't succeed in recouping their capital investment. So it's a very risky venture, um, you know. And you've got a cast of we've got a cast of about twenty five and an orchestra of eighteen, and there are orchestrators and copyists and a musical director and a music producer and two a sound designer and a light designer and a set designer and then they're, they've all got five assistants you know, that are working on having a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> The costumes, unbelievable. You know, it's it's really a great show. Bottom line, it's a great show. I loved it more than Disneyland. Fantastic. 
Cats, now and forever at the Winter Garden Theater. Call Telecharge for tickets, 212-239-6200. I love Cats. Was there anything before Cats that was comparable to Cats? No. Not at all? No, absolutely not, no. It really changes... I think you can almost say there's like before cats and after cats. B C and A C B C and A C. <laughs> yeah. It's there's a you know, in every art form there are like kind of profound shifts that happen and I would say cats is a major, major, major. So ha- shift. how did it come about then? Um, so Lloyd Webber had had some su- success with previous shows, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat mainly. And um he um, was a big T.S. Eliot fan. Like he'd read the poems as a young person and had some kind of great nostalgia for them, had this idea to make it into a musical. Um, and it was never a sure bet. Like it wasn't kind of like instantly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but the funny thing about it is, is it kind of like it both should never have worked and it's ridiculous that it did. But when you look more closely, there's actually a lot of things there's a lot of reasons why it did. So, yeah, I think in one of those um, kind of more serious musicals that really packs an emotional punch, you are meant to, like, be kind of, like, super, super immersed and that's why you need all these elements, not just the dialogue but the song, the dance, the set, everything. You need it to, like, kind of take you to this really extreme place and then bring you back. But I just think, I think Cats is the opposite. I think it's um, for everyone at any point in your life you need no context you need nothing anyone can walk into cats i think at any time anywhere in the world mm. and receive the same experience it's not you don't need any context you don't need to know anything about the theater mm. you don't actually even have to get to the end of the show and be able to remember anything about it <laughs> you know what I mean like if you were to go out of cats and someone says what happens in cats and you were not able to say I actually don't think that that means that you've not watched cats well I think <laughs> you've probably engaged with cats in the way that it asks you to because there is no like you don't really have to remember from song to song mm. who's who you don't have to hold any of those threads together you can just watch do you think that's why it was a, a big hit yes I do I think that's an enormous part of why it was a big hit because it's the perfect Broadway show because any tourist can go in sure at any time they don't need to do any research right. yeah they don't even need to know what it is and it tells you what it is cats yeah. Like you've got this list, yes. you know. One says La Cage au Fall. Yeah. One says, you know, and you have to kind of be like, what is La Cage au Fall? Yeah. Maybe you have to kind of like ask the ticket attendant or you mm-hmm. need to go and do some research or something like that. But cats, it's just there. It's all there it's for you. Cats. It's just cats. Well, it's interesting because we've spoken to a couple of um, people who um, have been in cats. Mm. Uh, and we spoke to one person in particular who was did the Asian tour, mm. and he said that it went off in China and Thailand and all these places, non-English Japan, speaking countries, and Japan too, yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and Germany. He, he was talking about having groupies and stuff, even yeah. though they couldn't actually understand the the but language I being spoken. I think that's actually perfect. Mm. I think maybe Cats is even better if you don't <laughs> understand it, <laughs> because then I think you're not looking for any meaning, yeah. so you're not listening to the songs going. But what? Who is Buster what? for Jones? Like, what does he want? You know, he just wants to eat. Yeah, out of fucking trash. I think if you are listening to it and you have got no idea what any of those cats is saying, I think you're actually liberated from trying to figure out what the hell it is about. I think you just watch the dancing cats and 
feel happy. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of um, like Cirque du Soleil in that That's way. That's exactly mm. the comparison that I would make. It's yeah. more like Cirque du Soleil than it is like the theatre. I think it's got more in common with that than it does than it does any really other any other production. You you were telling uh, me over email the other day that you're actually performing right now in the same theatre that Cats was on in Broadway. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we're at the Win- the Winter Garden Theatre, which is on um, Broadway and 50th in Midtown. And um, I think Cats ran there for, I mean, God, I should know how long, but like an extraordinary amount of time, maybe like 20 years or something. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the our cast of Beetlejuice would, would touch by a cat in that theatre, so they've kind of come <laughs> in a full circle. God. And, um, yeah. And it's, is there anyone? Super, is there... I think it, one of our ushers was even working in that theatre when Cats was on. She really? Has, um, yeah, yeah. She gets quite a, an interesting look in her eye when you mention Cats. So oh, wow. Things. She had an experience Some with things happened with Mungo Some Jerry, perhaps. So, I mean, you Mungo pray, Jerry. you pray, you get to fuck McCavity, but you know you end up with Mungo Jerry. That's who you- or Buster for Jones. Or Buster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wake up next oh to Buster for Jones in, the, in a dumpster, and you go, "Oh Jesus Christ, too much milk last night." So I made this, I made this decision, right, that I would never see cats. Yeah, right. The stage show, I man. Like I was like. I'm going to I put it out to the universe. I'm like, I will never, <laughs> ever go and see the stage production of Cats. I've seen I've seen little bits of songs. I've, I've taught kids who have sung songs from Cats. I've had friends that have been in Cats. I've seen little bits on TV, like you know, televised specials of, you know, Deborah Burns singing Memory. And I was like, it's just, I don't want to see Cats. But, um, <laughs> but this amazing thing happened to me where I had to see cats. And I, I was like, well played, universe, because <laughs> I, um, for a couple of years, I was the co artistic director of um, the Adelaide Cabaret Festival. And before you're going to launch your program, you have to sit down with the Minister for the Arts. You have to show the Minister all of the programming. He just gets to see it first before you. Launch it. Just it's a nice thing to do. Sure. He's the one giving you the money. It makes him feel good. You have to Everyone kiss the ring. I get off. it. <laughs> kiss the ring. So there's a little function, and um, the minister for the arts, Jack, his name was, lovely guy. We're showing him through all the through all the stuff we finished, and he's like, "Great!" And I'd flown to Adelaide for that very reason. And then he goes, "What are you guys doing now?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, no, nothing. I'm just here, literally, just for this, you know, just to see you." And he goes, "Great." Because I've got his tickets to the opening night of Cats. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, damn it. I knew there would be, you, know, you, think you, you think you can choose what you do, but you can't. The universe was just like, no, nah, you're going to see Cats. And I was sat next to the Minister for the Arts. The first act was so hard. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, this is the worst. Hang this on, is, is it and broken then, into acts when you see it live? Oh my God, yeah. You even get a chance to escape halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> when do they When do they split it up? Like, what is the thing that they can even leave you on where you want more? I don't know. It's kind of like a Taylor Swift concert where they kind of like tease the, you know, the, the you know, the really big song. Sure. And, oh, you see a memory. little bit of memory. I would, yeah, I would assume it's the frantic dance when they're all kind of writhing around on the floor at the Jellicle Ball. 
And it, like, um, you know, you know what it just start? No, no, that's in the middle. Like, so they all kind of old Deuteronomy lets them into the theater and they all just go into this 10 minute, just hectic, horny writhing session <laughs> where it just the fever pitch is going through the roof and old yeah. Deuteronomy is kind of rubbing one out, getting really horny over it. And then it all oh culminates in this climax. And I would assume that's when it's lights out break. <laughs> But in the movie, it just in the movie in the movie it just keeps going and it just just keeps going. It doesn't end. It's just a mist of old cat frog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just cat pheromones. As you make your way Squirt to lights out. <laughs> Intermission. So you you're dragged along to see the show. You're struggling yeah. through the first act. Do you ever yeah. get on board, cats? No, I never got on board cats. I never, never. And you know, like this is this is not to say that cats isn't like insanely popular musical. Like mm. so there's this kind of phenomenon amongst music theatre performers. A lot of music theatre performers become music theatre performers because they were touched by a cat. Mm. Not in the theatre, not like in the street. And sometimes in, in sometimes literally as well. <laughs> I mean on the touring shows, I'm sure. <laughs> Well, it's a big thing, you know, like I was in the aisle and this cat, this person, you know, at the start of the show, this cat comes up to me and like, you know, meows and touched oh. me and I was like, that's the moment I wanted to be a music theatre performer. So it's had this profound effect oh, on people. That's the moment I'd go and report them to the sex offenders registry. Oh, my God. You don't know what it's like to be a kid and to be touched by a giant cat. Like it's... <laughs> read heaps of reviews of the movie and most of the beefs that they have like most of the criticisms they have are criticisms that you could make of the stage show I don't actually think that much of the criticism is specific to what's happening in the movie and one of them was that Jason Derulo as the rum tum tugger is way too sexual and it's creepy right another thing that a lot of people picked on was the lack of plot that it's just a cat after cat introducing uh, themselves again that already that's the show that, that's the show so <laughs> yeah. much of the criticism of the movie seemed to me is actually a criticism of cats itself yep and I think what perhaps really went wrong with the movie is that it packaged it in a way that those deficiencies or perceived deficiency actually br- it brought them to the fore, whereas perhaps you forgive it in the theatre or there's something else going on that makes people ignore it. When it was as a film, it was mm. suddenly like, oh, my God, there's no plot to Cats, which yeah. as someone who's been engaging with Cats for a long time, I was like, <laughs> that is not news to me. Like, that is... <laughs> A really useful thing I think about thinking about it is there's this Marxist um, critic called Frederick Jameson who has written a lot about postmodernism and he has these kind of like different things that he says are a part of the postmodern movement and many of them are really applicable to cats. Hmm. So there's one that he calls the new depthlessness. So this hmm. idea that in postmodern art it's like there isn't actually a profound meaning to be found. It's all really surface. Hmm. It's not that there are no emotions, but it, it only kind of it's only skin deep or something like that. Hmm. It doesn't go very far. I think that's how to think about cats. It's like intentionally depthless. But cats really kind of takes it to a different level. It's like a Jeff Koons artwork, if you know yeah. who that is. Yeah. I think Cats is yeah. like the musical theatre equivalent 
of that, yeah? <laughs> of a 20-storey balloon dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you could write uh, thousands of words about the meaning of the balloon dog or you can just go, it's a balloon oh, dog. Oh, cool, yeah, yeah, big yeah. balloon dog. Cool, yeah. oh, oh, cool, a big balloon dog. And I actually think that's the right way yeah. to look at cats. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, great, dancing cats. I'm going to sit here and watch. I'm going to sit here and watch the dancing cats. I, I really, I genuinely believe this. I think that I think that's the right way to engage. So cats. when you talk about this depth, uh, d- depthlessness, yeah, depthlessness, yeah. theatre. So is the is the idea that when you see a musical that has depth, yeah. quote unquote, you're supposed to walk away with a message and a philosophy and a yeah. meaning. And with this, it's more just about the experience in the yes, moment. Yes, absolutely. You were there. Absolutely. You, you felt something you don't know why. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Or you felt something in that moment, but then as soon as you go, it's not like something that leaves a hmm. lasting emotional imprint that you return to again and again and again. Um it's like that. The other thing is one of the um, – another thing that this guy, Frederick Jameson, talks about is that postmodernism um, uses pastiche a lot. So it's like referencing other things all hmm. the time. All the music in Cats is a pastiche of another style. Yeah. But it's like without irony, if that makes sense. So it's not parody. It's not knowing like hmm. I'm taking this and re. Yeah. It's just I'm just copying. Yeah, things. right. The aesthetic is like that too. It borrows from like a thousand different things and is not um, kind of knowing or um, anything like that. Actually, I, I there, there's a thing that Roland Barthes says um, that I think really. Yes. Um, <laughs> I wrote it down because I thought, oh, yeah, that is, oh, quotations without inverted commas. Right. Yeah, that's cats to me. It's like borrowing from all this stuff. It's referencing all this other stuff, but it's not doing it in a line of like Simpsons way that you are like, oh, you like, oh, I get it. I get it. No, there's no wink. There's just, ah, like. But then is that supposed to be a celebration of these different musical genres and styles? Look, I don't, I don't know. Oh, um, I just I don't know that you're meant to feel or think that deeply <laughs> about it. And I actually really don't mean that as a like total indictment of it. Mm. I just think that's not what cats is about and that's not what cats is for. Cats is abstract. So there is there isn't there is no desire to have some kind of great um story or, or great resolution or character development, as you're saying. That's not what it's about. You've got to put all that to its side. And that is kind of the beautiful thing of of some parts of theatre, is it, it can just be abstract, it can just be an experience, and it can just make you feel the way it makes what it makes you feel, and that's fine. And the meaning comes from what you feel rather than some kind of Yeah, I mean sometimes the meaning can be, I don't know, we're alive. And yeah. like we, we're we're alive right now and there are cats. Mm. <laughs> So you think that anyone going into Cats trying to kind of find... I think you'll be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> I think you'll be disappointed. So you don't think th- it's like a metaphor for No, anything. I really don't. Right. And I, th- I, think you're wasti- I think you're wasting your time. I think you'll end up disappointed and frustrated because you've wasted all this time on this thing that is not... It's not doing... It's not delivering it. You don't find the answer. You don't get the payoff. I think you just have to watch it and go like... 
I think you just have to take it in. I, I really don't think you want it, it needs sure. inter, it needs interpretation. So then is there anything else like this that's as mainstream as successful in musical theatre? No, not quite. Not, not quite. quite. What's the next biggest? I mean, the Starlight next, Express. Yeah, Starlight Express. <laughs> oh, we've heard about Starlight <laughs> Express. Starlight. Haven't seen. Forgive it. the bad pun, but it's a train wreck. <laughs> 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 I've never seen it, but it's something I keep hearing people talk about. What is it? So that. That's like um, that's, that's a musical about trains okay. and all the actors are on uh, roller skates. They're, they're, and they're playing, playing trains. They're playing trains. Oh, man, can you imagine yes. Tom Hooper's oh fucking Starlight Express? Oh, on trains, my Uncanny God. Valley people with wheels for hands. Oh. <laughs> oh my God! I think Starlight Express is much worse. Um, because I think the music is of lesser quality. Okay, right. Like right. Uh, uh, there are some decent sort of songs in mm. Cats. I, I, don't get me wrong, I would not put them on my, like, to listen to. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask you specifically this, Eddie. How, what do you think of the music in this show? Uh, you know, you're a musical guy. Do you do you think the songs are, as, are worthy of celebrating or are they atrocious, awful, uh, repetitive and jarring? <laughs> um. <laughs> Sorry if this is a leading question. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I've never been. Um, I've never been the biggest fan of the music in Cats, um, and it, mainly because it sort of, uh, for me, it sort of sits in a, it, it, I guess, a musical genre of music theatre that um, I kind of wasn't around for the first time around. Which I'd say is sort of like the early eighties mm. um, mega musicals. It has a kind of a weird music theatre pop sensibility, and I remember hearing the music the first time. It was obviously recorded in a way. I found a little bit um, jarring with sort of synthesizers and stuff like that, and I don't know. I, I'm I, I'm not I'm ragging on Andrew Lloyd Webber because Jesus Christ Superstar is one of my favourite musicals of all time, and mm. I absolutely love that score. And um, and so um, yeah, I just I've just never liked I've never liked Cats. I was just like it just really really rubs me up the wrong way, you know. Like um, if almost every single almost every single song just. I, I just, I just can't handle it. It makes me feel uncomfortable. So yeah, I was like, this is interesting that they chose to do that. But um, it's not my favourite score. No, it's not, and it never has been, and um, and it still isn't. What are the songs from Cats that you like? Ah, oh, like, um, <laughs> look, uh, uh, the uh, I think um, I think McCavity's not. Oh. I think McCavity's not bad. Mm. Um, I think uh, like it's a it's a decently written song. Um, look, most of them have got some some charm about them. Andrew Lloyd Webber is always being accused of ripping other people off. That's what I mean. Lots of people, um, especially classical music people, think he's just the devil because his melodies are just Puccini but recycled. So that's the criticism. Yeah. A lot of yeah. a lot of the Phantom of the Opera um, people find like. Uh, Puccini melodies, and they go, "That is just Puccini. He just, really? he just stole that." Yeah, guitar. come on. Yeah. Um, so, but he can. I mean, he can write a tune. Mm. Um, Memory has been a major, major hit. Like no yeah. one can. It's a re- very recognisable song. It's sung all over the world. No one can take. No one can take that away. Something that really surprised me mm. was that the lack of songs that I knew. 
Oh, yeah. Like, I, I thought I would have been kind of aware of maybe just a couple more. Of course. you'd th- Because it's such a famous musical, you would right. think that a lot of these songs would be in the great American songbook. They'd be songs right. like that we all know, you know, that are like standards, songs that are sung on Australian mm. Idol and right. stuff like that. But there is only one. Mm. And, and because you know that one over and over and over again, you think you might know some of the others, but mm-hmm. you don't. Mm-hmm. It's like It's like when... Artists realised that a CD could have 75 minutes worth of music on it and didn't ever think that that doesn't it equate to a quality. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Hey, this, this album's got 19 tracks on it. I listened to three. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but, but you, you forget, like, Memory is the only song that is not directly I am so-and-so and this is what I like to do. Yeah. And yes. so it is the kind of song that can be it's sung on Australian. Yeah, for sure. You can't yeah. walk out in Australian home and go, hi, everybody, tonight I'll be singing I'm Buster for Jones, I'm not Skin and Bones. <laughs> it, it, out of context, it, may, like, it makes it amazing. amazing. That's true. That That's would true. be amazing. That really kind of loose plot, the sort of redemption narrative, right, of, sure. of Grizabella, Grizabella, the Glamour Cat. <laughs> I mean, that's... They added that, right? That yeah. was added for Cats. That's not in the T.S. Oh, Eliot yeah. poems, that, that kind of through line. Wait, the musical added that uh, yeah. narrative, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Like Grizabella the Cat existed, but that kind of loose redemption mm. narrative, that's added. Um, and the director, Trevor Nunn, actually came up with that idea. Yeah, okay. And do, do you know what the philosophy behind coming up with that idea was? Well, look... I think they've got some sort of line about um, giving it a narrative, like giving it a shape, giving it something to move to so that there's a reason why all these cats are brought together. And why the audience are at the theatre at all. (laughs) (laughs) But I would would kind of proffer a different different theory. What do you think? I think it's actually about creating space for what in musicals we call an 11 o'clock number, Mm -hmm. a big hit. That could go to number one mm. and that could, like, um, bring the show home at the end. I think that whole narrative is so just So an example there. of an 11 o'clock number would be, like, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, that kind of song. Uh, it, it's that kind of thing. It's like it happens at the three-quarter mark. That's why it's mm-hmm. called an 11 o'clock number because mm-hmm. it used to happen around about 11 o'clock okay. when things were on yep. Broadway. Yep. So say the show started at 8 or 8.30 mm-hmm. and it would happen at 11 o'clock. The one that you want people leaving the theatre singing. That's or it's like the it's the, the moment that the, the narrative's been building to. So it's like sure. the point that the musical's been building to. So I think that whole narrative is just there for memory so right. that um, there was a space for a hit song because it's actually quite different um, in tone. Uh, it's musically very different to the other songs. Mm. It, it's a song, I'd say. It's a the song. The others are... Pe- uh, musical pieces. It was also they, went, <laughs> they, they went through a lot of. They tried a lot of different things. Like there were three different people writing lyrics for it at one point. Right. The the melody was already done. Okay. Um, and my understanding is Lloyd Webber works like that a lot. He writes the melody in advance, and then lyrics have to be put to it after. And there were like three different people that were. Um, that gave memory a go. And I think they were actually, the director was one of them, and I think he actually decided to go with his his <laughs> version. And then at the last minute I think they, they changed it and they went with uh, they went with a different one. I'd have to check that. Like there were, But there were three different people that wrote 
um, lyrics what to that, memory. What memory could have been. Yeah. Do you, does anyone know what they are? Are there versions uh, of them I've, around? I have not ever seen the other versions. Wow. But, yeah, if you read, like, the it'd, kind it'd, of history it'd, of it would be along the same lines, right, the same yeah, kind the, of story. But just telling. different, yeah, but yeah. Just different mm. lyrics. A different, like, they brought in, th- I think they brought in three different people. I, I think Tim Rice was one of them. Oh, who, yeah. He'd worked with Lloyd Webber before, and I think he was also dating um, Elaine Page at the time because she was the one that was going to be playing mm, Grizabella. Oh, Grizz. And I think she actually brought him in and said, write a lyric for this and sort of see <laughs> yeah, how right. it happened. So I, I think the loose narrative is actually there, like, for that moment yeah. so that there's a reason to have a big song like that. But I always found the songs just ridiculous, like just uh, so stupid. I couldn't... What's ridiculous about I'm Busted for Jones, I'm Not Skin and Bones? It's uh, it's just uh, <laughs> to me that is that it's stuttering not, sound you made is like the answer that everyone's given like to the, every question. It's like the opposite. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the absolute opposite of what I think. What we were talking about earlier, if I think like the amazingness of a a perfectly written lyric for a song mm. set to music and the way that when they come together something magical happens. What you have just said is the complete opposite experience of that. I think. Like, what's your favorite song? Um, <clears throat> um, I mean, I, I do, I really love like the, the opening Jellicle songs yeah. to Jellicle Cats, mm. um, for whatever reason. That's yeah. Tell us why. Um, and let me ask you a follow up question. Are you blind when you're born? <laughs> Can you see in the dark? <laughs> Can you look at a king? Would, Would you, you sit, sit on, on his throne? It's just a bunch of songs. Can you sing duets by Rossini and do waltzes by Strauss? <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> Waltzes <weird>. by Strauss. <laughs> bum, bum. Can you as cats do begin with a C? Because Jellicles can and Jellicles do. Jellicles do and Jellicles can. Jellicles can and Jellicles. Oh, wow. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. <laughs>
it's the first what we call mega musical. Right. What's so, that? So a mega musical is a musical that is governed by spectacle more than it is by plot. Right. That's a really simplistic way of putting it, but it's like big, right? Mm. Really big, um, big set, enormous set, very, very, very expensive. And so then it's followed by um, Les Mis, by Phantom, by Miss Saigon, um, the Disney ones I wouldn't say are quite mega musicals because they're, they're a bit different in their kind of, um, like aesthetically they're a bit different, like they've, they're so Disney they're, and mm. they were building off those movies and they're quite stylistically similar, like you can really see that. And now I don't know that we have mega musicals so much anymore. Like I feel like it is quite, um, for me it's a term that I think is historically set with the mm. 80s and 90s, that kind of thing. But Hamilton is the next incarnation of of that form, um, of that of that thing, hmm. um, and it will be interesting to see what happens. I mean, they've kind of tried to keep the mega musical thing going, but it keeps not working. Like Spider Man, turn one off I the was dark. Say, I was yeah. dying to see that. Yeah, me oh, too. Look, people were dying in it. <laughs> and I think the world is obviously a lot different to 1980s when. Andrew Lloyd Webber and Cats were kind of ruling the world and people would be like, we're going to see Cats and Cats was amazing. And, like, Cats had a huge effect on people and people were obsessed with it and it made millions of dollars and it ran forever. Mm. Um, but now it's kind of like if you're of a younger generation and you're like, what's Cats all about? You know, now there's the movie and you're like, oh, right, that's what it's about. It's like a kind of a hell, hellscape. Yeah. <laughs> Very muted gen- genitals and songs. It's then those kind of weird disconnected songs. Obviously, there's something about the way that show was structured, directed, and um, executed that people bought into that world, and it was emotional for them. And I mean, do they love cats, or do they just love the music, or do they love the choreography, or is mm-hmm. there something about this kind of gritty world of cats? You know, like reading about the original <laughs> production, it sounded like the whole thing kind of ran on cocaine and sexual energy and spa yep. bars after the show. Like yep. it was a pretty wild time and a wild idea even back then. But, you know, they obviously committed to it hard enough to make a believable world or a compelling world and people l- love it. People love cats. It, it brought a new type of fan to the, to the musical. Hmm. Um, they're more like, I, I think a good uh, parallel for today, are co- people that do cosplay. <laughs> Like, really being obsessed with cats is a similar kind of pursuit, I think. Like, there are people who know every detail about every cat and <laughs> even the ones that don't sing. Like, all the cats have names. Every single cat oh, that's on stage we've been finding that has out. a name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so pe- there are people out there. I think they're... I think they're a dying breed, <laughs> um, but I think they're in the back in the day. There were serious, serious cats fanatics. People who went to the show hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, mm. who knew every single fact and detail about wow. it. Yeah, who were really committed, really committed to it in the way that people are committed to something like the Marvel Cinematic yeah, Universe. Yeah, right. I think it's a similar phenomenon. And yeah. do you think that was because it was so unlike anything that had preceded it? It's also to do with the way that it was marketed, I think. So Cameron McIntosh, who was the original producer, was a new kid on the block at that time. He was a bit of a maverick. They No one sort of quite trusted him yet. And he was really adamant that it needed to be marketed 
not as a musical but as a commodity, like this is a product. A brand. A brand. Wow. And there's some. That's so funny because that's how I think of it. Whenever yeah. I think mm. of cats, I think of that poster with the yeah, font yeah, yeah, and the yeah. eyes. That's that, it. That right? one, yeah. yeah. You're right. Now and forever. But, I mean, that's marketing, right? Yeah. Cats. And the, now, and, and, and right the, now, you can watch it now. But forever, yeah. it's still going to be here. It's not going away. It's to- Cats is timeless. Do you know anything more about the way it was branded and marketed um, back um, in the day from, uh, from that, that time? It was it was merchandised. Like they, some people call uh, some people say that the some scholars say that the genius of this is that this is a logo. It's not a poster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a logo can go on a coffee cup, on a t shirt, on a pen. And people can go and see cats and they can take that stuff home with them. Hmm. As far as I'm aware, that was not done to that extent in a musical before cats. That's it's standard the begin- now. It's standard now. Hamilton is a brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. The musical theatre writer Mark Stain said nobody liked it but the public about cats. <laughs> like, and now not even the public and no, like and it. See, that, see, that, see, that's the thing. And um, Tom Hooper took that away from them. I actually think most of its success has been sustained by the everyday people, the people yeah. that, that um, the people that go to Broadway or to the West End or something like that, spend a lot of money and want to get bang for their buck. Mm. And Cats has delivered on that. Mm. You get to see amazing dancing. It's visually spectacular. Not a lot of it is expected of you. It doesn't make you feel stupid. So you don't mm. feel like you're not getting it. In fact, you feel smarter when you walk out. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I'm better than all those people. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, I think to that really that... It's. I think also because it's not about anything, apart from grounds of quality, what could you be offended about? You know what I mean? Like yeah. my only really, the only kind of real grounds I have an objection to, of objections to cats is it's like this is ridiculous. <laughs> it makes no sense. But if you actually try and pinpoint what is offensive about it, it mm. it's slightly more difficult. It's like it's deliberately been designed to not <laughs> offend anyone. And the other thing about it is it played for, what, uh, 18 years or something continuously uh. on Broadway and I think would have changed frighteningly little in that time. Like mm. I think what you saw in 1982 or 1983 and what you saw in 2000 <laughs> were basically the same thing. Now that's genius, mm. right? Yeah. To have something that is so repeatable yeah. that every single tourist in Times Square that goes in is going to get exactly the same product. They're not going to be able to go or they're not going to want to go, oh, no, that one was that's, that wasn't as good as, you know, the time I saw it in 1991 or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's the same. So it's a, um, I think that's another reason why it was so successful is Cats is kind of like, <laughs> if it's your thing, it's a guaranteed win. You get a group of friends together and you go and see Cats, you're going to get exactly what you paid for. <laughs> you're not getting a surprise, if that makes sense. Like yeah. it's a really yeah. known quantity. So if you put on cats, you you can kind of be assured of a certain um, return, a certain product, because it's the same every time. It's not like it, it's it's just not risky. I think um, that was genius. That's interesting you say that because we spoke to an actor called Daniel Asetta who mm-hmm. played Rum Tom Tugger yeah. in um, the Australian production yeah. three or four years ago, yeah. and that was when Weber had changed the Rum Tom Tugger from a more kind of mm. uh, poppy to Bowie a, Jagger yeah, yeah, into, yeah. A, into a hip hop 
Yeah, right. right. And apparently it was not received well yeah. at all. So, yeah, I, I, that does not surprise me. And I think that's one of the things that the film has tried to do wrong is it's tried to make changes. And I think the people that really love cats, mm. their target market, don't actually want it to be changed now and forever. Like, that's what they promised. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, I would love to have been a fly on the wall of, like, when they decided to do Cats, the movie, <sighs> and the reasoning why. Because, yeah, I think the people that are devoted to it were already devoted to it and I don't see that there was anything to be gained by making the movie. I think all you will do is put those people offside. Well, and, and the version that, that, that we've been given is very much of its time. Like we've talked yeah. with a, a, a real fan of Cats, um, Tom Ballard, mm. who... Uh, Tom Ballard is a fan of Cats? Hello, I'm Tom Ballard and I love Cats. So we thought by watching that that uh, there'd be more narrative that had been cut out of the film. As it turns out, no. narrative was added to the film yes. with this whole McCavity subplot where he's um, kidnapping people and taking them to the dock and growl tigers, they're guarding them. He's like their prison warden or whatever. Yep. Did you find any comfort in that at all or were you no. infuriated? The idea to explicitly say that they're competing for the Jellicle choice. Okay. Insane, okay, ridiculous, but, but and insulting. Why? why? I don't know why, because mm. that's not what's in cats. Okay. What did, you, what did you think of James Corden as Buster for Jones? Awful. <laughs> you didn't, Truly you didn't awful. like a close-up of his face getting bukkakied with uh, champagne <laughs> <laughs> as it's like spraying out of his nose, and then he turns to Jason Dooling and goes, "Well, thanks, Tugger." Mid-song. Oh. <laughs> I imagine, as a fan of the original production, that having the stink of Rebel Wilson and James Corden's very 2020 humour all over. The movie is not something that you'd be into. Just, what, are, what were all the puns they use? Like cat got your tongue. Yeah. Or, Look what the don't cat milk it. Don't milk it, which is barely a cat pun. Yeah, it's not good. Don't is milk it because they drink milk. Yeah. Come on, man. I feel like they just put the camera on Rebel and just went, "All right, just go for five yeah, minutes. Yeah. You know, imitate Jason Derulo, and that'll be hilarious." But it really, it uh, you know, <laughs> it takes you out of it. The Growl Tiger character too annoyed me as well. So Growl Tiger was a yeah. real character in the the present time with the cats in the film version. He's just hanging out on a mm. boat. Mm-hmm. But of course, Growl Tiger was a role played by Gus the Theatre Cat in the flashback sequence, which begins Act oh. Two. Growl Tiger last stand. You see, so it's all really, like I didn't put that together. You so did- they've just taken the name and gone. Yeah, we'll just make that a new character. Yeah. Okay, well, that's I mean, but ironically, it's Gus the theatre cat that uh, kills Growl Tiger in the film. Mm. No one kills anyone in cats. Well, you okay? know, like, that's mm. a bizarre thing. I would sequence, argue isn't that it? they all kill Grizabella. <laughs> <laughs> it's a ritual sacrifice. Yeah, that's what I would oh, yeah, say. You'll go to the heavy side later. I, I was also thinking, I, I imagine having seen the theatrical production, you are the creator of your own narrative in terms of you decide yeah. what you're focusing on. Yeah. And I think where the film upsets fans of the theatrical production is you're watching this through Tom Hooper's perspective. Yes. So you never get to just get the camera locked down. We're going to watch Jennifer Hudson belt this number out. Oh, it's awful. And so it's very distracting. So anytime I, I found whenever I was really feeling for Grizabella, it would suddenly cut to yeah. Judy Dench licking her lips or something. <laughs> you're like, oh, yuck. <laughs> And you're like take completely taken out of the emotion of it. Just, just one leg up, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, tail yeah. kind of waving around with a big dick. Um, so, but you know, so it's, it's, it's hard to lose yourself in it. Absolutely, and it's this infuriating. He had it with Les Mis too, where 
he'll have lives like the sound of their feet walking around and yeah. stuff while someone's singing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, just mm. I want to hear the music because yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. fucking musical, you you psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do you think, like, Let me hear my kitty sing. Sing, 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 sing. So it seems like its short-term influence was the birth of the mega musical yeah. and the merchandising. Yeah. Does, it, does it have, like, a long-term influence, like 40 or 30 mm, or 40 years yeah, later? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I think um, surprisingly, I, I, think it's, I think it's major... Um, its major influence is, the, is an aesthetic one because it was innovative in terms of sound and... Um, lighting and stuff like that too. Like it used automated lighting, which was pretty new at the time, and that meant that it could change colour really quickly and it Hmm. could um, like move around the stage really quickly. So Hmm. it was more like a music video or like a film in Hmm. that sense. And that at the time was really like, whoa, we didn't know that it could feel like that in the Hmm. theatre, you know. Lighting had been much more... um, like quotidian, you know, like just lighting the people so you could see them. And this was really like, whoa, this lighting is cool kind of thing. Yeah, like Like a a rock show. show Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But no, no, I don't think there's ever been anything like Cats again. And I don't think there ever will because, like I said earlier, I think it's kind of ridiculous that it worked and... um, on another level makes perfect sense that in that particular moment at that particular time it did. Yeah. Um, but, n- no, it's there's not quite ever it's, – it's success has not been replicable, D- which I'm sure is frustrating to the people who saw it make yeah. millions yeah. of dollars and thought, how do we do that again? Mm. I don't think – I don't know that anybody has ever – managed to replicate it in quite the same way. Whatever criticism you have of cats, it worked with an audience yep. and even if it was an idea that producers didn't want to touch at first, audiences flocked to it and they bought into it and it became a kind of phenomenon in ter- terms of entertainment and that's what everybody wants. They want to create a hit show. So cats is like the pinnacle of what you could hope to achieve. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, commercially, commercially, I would be yeah. quite happy if I wrote <laughs> if I wrote cats. You know, I'd be I'd be absolutely stoked. And you know, you can't really. Um, I mean, you can have things that are to your taste and to not to your taste. But I would never like pour shit on another writer's writing simply because you know everybody writes what they've got in them to write mm. at a time. And some things, you know, are modest um, successes. Some things are huge successes. Some things fail, good things fail, bad things succeed. It's like such a crapshoot, the whole thing. And this is going to sound like a a ridiculous thing to say, but the difference between something being a success and not being a success is often just people deciding if they like it or not. Mm. And that sounds like a truth that is a ridiculous thing to say, but, you know, there are plenty of mediocre things that everybody likes that then creates a kind of a snowball momentum. It pushes it over this tipping point into being successful. When we opened Beetlejuice, everyone said it was like kind of into it, but, you know, it certainly wasn't a hit. It was sort of something that people were still making up their minds about. Mm. And then slowly we kind of built the shop to a point where it tipped over into this new place where audiences screen their heads off. Exactly the same show, but people have decided it's a hit, and so now it's a hit. And, and that was very weird to watch. And that was nothing you guys did. That just organically happened. It kind of organically happened. Yeah, you know, wow. It happened by, you know, the fact mm. that we got nominated for um, – 
eight Tony Awards and, you know, even though we didn't win any, it gave us a chance to perform at the Tonys and that allowed people to see what our show was. Um, we had a couple of, like, uh, we put the album out and people really liked the album. Um, and then it just sort of started to grow and grow from there. And now, like, it's like a kind of a cult thing. You know, people that know all the words to every single song and they <laughs> come dressed in cosplay and it's kind of, like, crazy. But the, the show is still the same. It's just uh, now everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a hit show. It's a very strange thing to observe. In the beginning, we were like, we think this is good, but are people into it? You know, critics didn't really dig it that much, and audiences were kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the audience was already kind of like into it, but now it's kind of reached this weird thing where everyone has made up their minds. And, and, are, and are you able to relax now and enjoy the process, like free from the stress <laughs> of, you know, freaking out? No, about- God, no. <laughs> no, we're getting kicked out of our bloody theatre, that's why. We're getting kicked out of the Winter Garden oh, really? to make way for Hugh Jackman and the Music Man. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. You know what? I reckon the only thing I would kick you guys out of there for is a Cats revival. That's it. <laughs> and that's out of respect. That's out of respect for the Cats. But <laughs> yeah. But if, if yeah. I had my way, you'd be running there for 25 years. Well, that's it. If someone can just please assassinate uh, Hugh Jackman, that would be fantastic. <laughs> I mean, uh, no, it's a joke. It's no, no, no. Yeah. as. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, don't kill Hugh Jackman. We're cutting that bit yeah. out and we're going to leave in the bit where you say to assassinate him. Um, <laughs> yeah. We'll cut out all the other bits where you tell us that's a joke. <laughs> It's a strange movie to uh, adapt into a, I mean, musical to adapt into a movie because it doesn't really have a plot, because it is episodic and it lurches from, you know, one set piece song to another set piece song. I thought when I saw the previews for Cats that it was going to have a narrative added to it. That's what I naturally thought. So I was quite surprised that it didn't. There's a sl- have you seen it, Eddie? The movie? No. You're right. No. There's I will a slight never narrative. See the movie Don't cast. say that. Never. Don't say that. Never the say never. Just heard that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just like setting myself up for failure. <laughs> like, what, what do you think is, is a successful movie musical adaptation? Yeah, I think Chicago is yeah. really good. Fantastic. And the super interesting thing about that is that it's not that materially different in structure to mm. Cats, right? So. Um, in Chicago, you have this kind of plot, but all the songs are like freeze time, right? Mm. Like the plot doesn't actually move in the, in song. the songs. Mm. Um, That's true. Yeah. Um, and um, on stage, Chicago was like each number was like a kind of different take on the same thing, you know, like they were all these different sort of vaudeville characters coming out to perform for you. So it was very much, it, it did have this nar- stronger narrative through line, but it was very much like Cats in like, oh, and now it's this person's mm-hmm. turn to sing a song and now it's these people's turn to sing a song. Like the six um, uh, the six murderesses of the oh, Cook County yeah. Jail, Amazing. that's not actually that different to Cats. We never meet those people again. Yeah. They come on and they introduce themselves, right? Uh. So the people that made the Chicago movie were very smart at... Um, at seeing that each one of those things was like a chance to make this kind of like discrete little section of film, right? Mm. And then there are scenes in Chicago, so then we could go back into the kind of like yeah, acting yeah. scene, movie, and then like we could have these like pop moments mm. of like 
colour, music, excitement, yeah. right? And they're, and they're very much staged. They're staged they like a stage. theatre. Yeah. yeah. That six murders is a county yeah. row. That may as well be but happening on stage. Yeah. Chicago has that meta-theatrical layer built into mm. it already. Like, yep. it's acknowledging that it's performance. Yep. So, like, the Mr. Cellophane guy was like... Um, you know that that he it was copying the minstrel show kind mm. of thing. So it was already acknowledging its performativity and stuff like that. And the camera in Chicago just became another layer mm. of that. But Cats doesn't have any of that self awareness. That's what we're kind of talking about with this depthlessness, right? Or like the lack of irony. Like it's not ironic. Mm. It's not going like, isn't this funny that there are dancing cats? It's just the, here are the dancing cats. So I think the camera creates enough distance that you start to go, what? That doesn't make any sense. Mm. Whereas in the theatre, while the cat's sort of like crawling by you and there's so much going on, I don't know that you've got as much time. I think you're so overwhelmed that you don't have as much time to be like, this doesn't make any sense. You're just like, whoa, what's happening? It's like being in a haunted house or something like that, you know what I mean? Like it is ridiculous but you sort of go with it. I think the screen like paradoxically, like the more realistic they made the cats, like the CGI mm, and yeah. the screen actually has the opposite effect to what they want it to. It pushes you away. Yeah. It makes you go, Whoa. The distance is huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, the fact that we know that it was filmed a year before we're watching it, basically, and you yeah. know, you're just so far removed from it that you don't, you don't care. And this funny thing of that they insisted that they sing live, right? Mm. Which is kind of like, why? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What That makes... It makes zero difference, right? <laughs> yeah. And, again, they did that in Les Mis, but that worked because you were getting this, like, um, you were getting the actual moment of emotion being captured. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the fact that they were singing live, it was like, oh, in real time, that performer sounded like that. Mm. Like, it had this kind of really... Um, immediate sort of emotion and effect that you were like, that was quite compelling, right? But in this, it's like, I don't care if the cat is singing live. Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 that, and that indicates some kind of weird, uh, like, misunderstanding on yeah. Tom Hooper's part. where it, like, And it goes back to that thing we were saying earlier where he's like, he just wanted to do another musical and it yeah, turns out yeah. the cats was the only one left. But he's mm. gone into it with the exact same approach as Les Mis, as though all musicals were made equal. And yeah. it's like, well, it's, it's a very different yeah. setup. I don't know why you're making it the way you made yeah. Les Mis. Yeah. They're not, like, similar yeah. at all. And, I mean, I think the fact that Les Mis is is based on a book means you can always return to the kind of like the plot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like anything that the musical has kind of left out, there, there's actually kind of something bigger there to return to. Mm. With cats, I don't yeah. think that's quite the case. What are you going to return like, to? T.S. Eliot's the poem, chicken but, scratching But the poems. poems are already set in their entirety. You Awful. know what I mean? Like there's nothing... <laughs> There's nothing left. They've already taken... There's not another book written somewhere and extra shit. It's just like, here's some bullshit I made up about my cat. (laughs) None of these cats are overcome with any emotion that they need to. The only way to express it is to sing. They're literally just saying their fucking names. (laughs) Over and over and over And, you know, that's it. That's the the only thing they need to express. Yeah. So maybe that's why you don't connect with it, Eddie, because it's not coming from uh it's not coming from an emotional place these songs it's just hello my name is rum tum tugger and he is a little bit about me yes for two minutes yes yeah no i think you've hit the nail on the head there like you need a reason to care and um most of the time it's like um 
you know, we learn about who a character is by seeing the way they behave mm. inside a piece, inside a narrative, you know, the choices they make, um, the decisions they make, the things that they do and the way they behave with people is how we determine really in life and in good theatre what, what somebody's character is. And it's a much easier to get on board with someone when you go, what is this person's motivation? What do they, what do they want, you know? Um, and in Cats, I mean, that is really that is really missing as a piece. Yep. It always has been missing. And the way it makes up for that is with this kind of intense style, intense design, a lot of movement, a lot of really um, high-level choreography, um, and that sort of intensity of movement that keeps the stage the stage play working and the plate spinning. But on film, I, you know, it's a hard ask. You do need a – I mean – Story is important. Yeah. Story's been around since the beginning, and I think story is something that makes you care about character. Here we're going on this journey with this person. What do they want? What are they going to do to get it? Are they getting it? Are they not getting it? What do they do when they mm-hmm. don't get it? How do they overcome obstacles, and how do they walk away with the prize? You know, that's kind of like what we're, <laughs> we think of in terms of story, things happening, you know, things actually happening. Um, and I think that it was always going to be hard to get a contemporary audience who are used to the language of film being narrative based, a story that starts, uh, has a middle and then has an ending. And you kind of like put just in place a bit of concept, mm. you know, we're all gathered here. We're all going to yeah. like just spend the whole film introducing ourselves. And then one of us is going to go to heaven or whatever the story is. And I think that audiences were uh, rightfully kind of confused about it. It's a bold choice. It's a really bold choice. Yeah, and because, uh, well, I mean, in most musicals there's the I want song and the goal is very clear. You know, I want to be free of the tower or I want the prince or whatever it is. Yeah. In this, the goal is so abstracted that if you think about it for too long, it's actually quite grim. You know, they're part of a suicide cult and they're auditioning to die. It's it's, it's very <laughs> yeah. it's a very dark movie to market to children. And this is how it's been marketed. Yeah. It's been marketed as, you know, family <laughs> entertainment. It's not. It's, it's too horny to be family entertainment. It's too sexy. It's uh, Australian Idol where Dicko kills you at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see, ironically, I would I would watch that. Do you think there's a way they could have translated it to screen that it would have pleased um, the fans and also not been a completely incoherent mess? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think you could do the first. I think you could do the former, but I don't think you could do the latter. Um, it feels like to it do... Is a me- like, it is a mess. Yeah. It, it doesn't... Like, Cats makes no sense. Um, And everybody already knew that, had kind of dealt with that, I think, or perhaps liked that because they didn't have to do any sort of intellectual work. Like, maybe that's why it's it's worked for them. Um, And... To 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 bring that back up to the surface, I think was was very very foolish. Like, well, let, let me assure you, the, <laughs> the, the the small amount of narrative they have put in the movie does not make it make any yeah, more sense. No. It's still, you still walk out, yeah. completely confused. Well, it, it just doesn't. Like, it just doesn't. And I I really just think it is a waste of time to try and and make anything more of it than what it is. I I think I, I think it's just cats, <laughs> and you have to. <laughs> Just be willing to submit and and watch the and watch the cats dance. I, <laughs> I'm really not confident that there's a good way to do cats. Yeah, it um, doesn't seem like it. No, n- uh, uh, there's certainly not a way that I. I'm highly confident that there's nothing anybody could do that would make me walk out of it and go, I've actually, I was totally wrong. Cats <laughs> is a masterpiece. <laughs> I accept it for what it is. Um, 
and there are people that really love it, but to me that is all it is. It, yeah. it can't be any better and there's no point trying to fix it. It's not fixable. It's not for me. It's for a group of people who have really enjoyed it and that it's done really well in that time yeah. and it's, it's it's not for me. It's not for people who are interested. It's never going to deliver what the experience that I value out of the theatre, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I don't, I I have no, like, antipathy towards it. Like, it doesn't make me, it doesn't make me angry in, like, how bad it is because I just, it's just a separate thing. It's, it's not for you. It's not for it's me. It's fine. It's just cats. <laughs> I want it to be about something bigger, you know? Like, I want it to mean something at the end. I want to come out having learnt something to have um, gotten a deeper insight into human experience or... Or you, feline experience. Or, <laughs> or something. Like, I I want that. I want to go to the theatre and and think about something in a new, in a new way. Mm. Um, and Cats, that's not what Cats does. Cats is just cats. You go and you watch the cats and you go home and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Excellent. Very good. You know me, I'm a very flighty person, right? Like, (laughs) not many things capture my attention for a very long time, but this has been nearly six months of our lives. I know. This fucking stupid movie about singing, dancing cats. (laughs) Well, it's what Mara said, that it's not about anything, it's just about dancing cats, it's about the spectacle. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that changed everything for me when she said that. That made me really enjoy it for what it was. This whole time we've been searching for, like, meaning or Mm. resonance. And we've talked to some... um, We've talked to nearly 20 guests. Oh, my God. Artists, academics. And every conversation has been so wonderful and so informative and has taught me so much about things that I didn't even know that I wanted to know about. Yeah. But no matter how much we learn and no matter how much insight we gain, it always comes back to that night. Uh, Us drinking bubbly, (laughs) sitting down, the curtains opened, and here we go. And I think that we can go off on all these tangents that we want, but we're coming to the end of our journey now, and it is leading us right back to the beginning, to that evening, and maybe the only way that you're going to find some closure... (laughs) That's all I'm looking for Because I am worried, mate. (laughs) I'm looking for it everywhere. I'm looking for it on special features, on Blu-rays. Nothing's nothing's answering the question. And me too, you know. Yeah. I'm worried about both of us. So maybe the only way we can get it is if we can talk to someone who who had the same cinematic experience as you and me yep. and who knows about film. Mm-hmm. And ideally, if we can talk to one of the actors. Oh, good God. I mean, that would be the dream, right? Of course. If we can get someone who was there on set to tell us what it was like making it and the feelings that they felt being a part of it, maybe you and I will get some kind of, I don't know, like emotional, it'll be a big hug, a big emotional hug. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what we need, maybe. Yeah, I think that's the only way we can put this fucking project to bed. Why is Hats is hosted by Cameron James and Ben Elwood for Sats Pants Radio. Produced and edited by Sean Allen. Yeah.
respect. No worries. That was awesome. No worries. Thank you so much. No, thank you. You know how often people ask me to talk about cats? Never. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty I've, much the consensus from everyone. I have so many, I have so many views that I never get to share. Was My partner joy. was like, I can't believe someone actually <laughs> is calling on your expertise. Someone is smoking over there. Something we cats would never do. Filling their lungs with thick, dark hair. What a disgusting thing to do. Cats have nine lives with eight to spare. Humans have one. With none to barter. Why do they smoke? Why don't they care? Humans are smart, but cats are smarter. Listen to cats, you men and women. Take care of your lungs. They're only human. The American Lung Association, the Christmas Seal People. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.